So if you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, which many, many people aren't, so it you know, makes you probably the majority, not the minority, but, but that passage that Tracy just quoted, you know, comes uh, about seven or 800 years before Jesus was born. It's a part of this uh, uh, literature that speaks of, of a, a Messiah coming, and it really does express the character of, of who Jesus is. Um, you know, if, if you think about that, um, it, it sort of speaks to something unique, unusual, uh, mystical, uh, supernatural uh, about who Jesus is. Uh, his birth and his death were spoken of long before he ever uh, came on the scene. Um, but, you know, the idea uh, and the genius that exists in, in this character, Jesus, um, is, is really found in, in, in unusual ways. Um, I, I don't know about you. I, I've had a small chance in my life to spend um, some time with some people who other people think are kind of geniuses in their field. Um, in another life, uh, I had a job where I worked for an organization that worked with uh, sports figures and uh, Christian sports figures, and I got a chance to know Tom Landry. Now, I know for some of you, you just went, wow, but others of you went, who's that? Um, but he was a famous coach for the Dallas Cowboys back in the day. And in NFL history, in NFL lore, he invented a lot of things about football that we see on TV today. Uh, he was the one who, who really built a defense that had a middle linebacker um, and a four-man line. Uh, he, he was actually the inventor of that shovel pass that we see when Mahomes throws to Kelsey, you know, when he cuts in and goes in for the touchdown, Tom Landry was the first one to really draw that play out and, and execute it. Uh, really a genius when it comes to football. And so I got a chance to spend some time with Coach Landry and get to know him. But if you and I were watching football on Sunday afternoon, um, you would not look at me and think that Tom Landry's genius rubbed off on me. I'm just as dumb about football as you are. Uh, I, I, I don't know half the things that go on there. It's just kind of fun to watch people crash into one another and touchdowns and all that kind of stuff. I, it, it just it didn't, really, it didn't really rub off on me. Uh, I had another opportunity. One time I was speaking at a men's retreat, and I got there early, and the band that was uh, playing for the weekend was up there, and they were playing Carry On My Wayward Son. And I thought, wow, that's cool. I, and I just turned to the guy next to me because I, I, sometimes I can be kind of a smart ass, you know. And so I turned to this guy next to me and I, who, who had invited me there. And I said, hey, that guy plays that song like he wrote it. And he turned to me and he said he did. <laughs> and all of a sudden I realized that that was Carrie Livgren up there. And uh, through that I got a chance to know Carrie. And Carrie's been to Shoal Creek several times developed a relationship with him, and many people consider him to be, you know, one of the maybe top ten greatest guitarists to ever live, the, the, the genius behind all of the Kansas, the rock band Kansas's music. Um, but if you came into my office and you saw a guitar sitting over behind my desk there, and you made the wrong assumption that Carrie Livgren's genius rubbed off on me, 
it would only take me picking up the guitar and trying to find a G or a D or an E or something, and you would discover that I'm no genius at the guitar. In fact, I can't even put three or four notes together to make them sound anywhere like they should. Uh, it just didn't rub off on me. But when I was 17, uh, I, I came into a period of my life where even though I'd, I'd kind of grown up with a lot of religious stuff, uh, my parents took me to church all the time, I, I came to understand that I, I really didn't know who Jesus was and why he came. And, and all of a sudden, that story uh, took root in my life. And his narrative became my narrative, and I began to follow Jesus. And it altered the course of my life. Um, and in fact, uh, if, if you were to know me, um, and, and, and know me well, you would see me struggle. I'm not suggesting that I'm in any way perfect. My wife's sitting right up here. She can tell you that for sure. Um, but, but there have been a lot of things that have changed in my life as a result. Jesus' genius has infected my life. My ability to love other people. My ability to, to have compassion and empathy with people to be patient, to be kind, and, and to be, take initiative when people are hurting. All, all those kinds of things don't come out of me naturally. Naturally, I would rather sit on the couch and just watch golf on Sunday afternoon. Uh, naturally, I, I want to be passive. I don't want to be active. And, and Jesus has infected me in that way. You see, the, the genius of Jesus and this holiday that we celebrate. This holiday that, as Justin mentioned, has a, starts with kind of a, a, a grotesque figure hung on a cross and ends with a celebration of someone coming out of a tomb. Uh, th this this is, is, a, is about the kind of thing that happens in life when we see tragedy turn into beauty the kind of opportunity that God has given us to really explore what that looks like. You know, I could sit here and, and tell you about it. I could describe it in the pages of Scripture. But we've chosen today to use a story. Some friends of ours who've been in our community for quite some time have, have come to understand the, the story, the tragedy of the cross um, in 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 really difficult ways. So this morning, we want to let their story start. We have two boys, Trace, um, who is now 11. Titus is um, eight. At the time Titus was diagnosed, Trace was seven and Titus was four. Julie had called me at work and said, Titus just doesn't seem like he feels well. Um, his coloring looks a little off. Um, he, he keeps asking for mom, which he doesn't do that. TJ left work, went and picked him up. Um, yeah, made a little pallet on the floor, hard floor, just a blanket, and he fell right asleep. Yeah. She took him to the hospital for stomach pains. And then uh, they decided, or found out that he had a appendicitis and then they're like okay we're gonna you know do surgery the normal stuff for that uh, 
got blood uh, for before the surgery and stuff like that and then they walked us down the hallway and told us he had cancer so it was kind of a, a hammer you know right off the bat because uh, his blood was 70% of it was cancer like had cancer in it I do remember um, after he told us that information and I can remember TJ asking questions, but at that point I felt like I was in a tunnel and I heard nothing else. I, I didn't even hear the questions he asked, I didn't hear the answers. I just remember kept thinking like, oh my gosh, like what the heck did he just tell us? He told us that uh, there's blasts in his blood and that was way over my head and I was like, okay, you know. And he goes, we're pretty sure he has le uh, leukemia. And, uh, you know, it's one of those, like, I've heard it. I don't know really anything about it. And uh, I told him, I was like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to explain to me what that is. And he just said, it's cancer in the blood. When you're in the first nine months of the treatment, um, they're very good about, they will only give you one month at a time of what, you know, medicine protocol it will be um, for that month that you're going into. Um, now on this side of it, I'm grateful because if had I known at this point we would deal with this, at this point, you know, he would lose his hair, it, I think it would have been more stress and um, anxiety for me going through it. Just having that one month laid out in front of you at that point is all that I think we could have handled. Mm -hmm. The few years leading up prior to Titus being diagnosed, uh, we started attending Shoal Creek and um, I was more on board of joining a group. Uh, the teacher was very hesitant. I remember going to my first one by myself. It was a marriage one. Um, after a little convincing, uh, he did end up joining and I truly feel like God used um, that group of people. We met some of our closest friends in that group. Um, and I think having that core base going into the diagnosis, and like the night that Titus was diagnosed, we probably made very few phone calls and there were 30 people or so that lined his hospital room. You need to be around other people. You need to be in a group or whatever, just around people that, you know, have a faith and just because I couldn't do it by myself. You know, the more time went on, it was more uh, my prayers changed uh, to more, I think, anger. I think when some of the shock wore off, I was um, in the hospital taking a shower, and I just remember crying out, screaming like, why us, why Titus? Um, just thinking like what did we do to deserve this what did Titus do to deserve this all those thoughts in your head what if what if this doesn't work what if it comes back um, and I think a lot of it hits me more when um, like we've known families that have had kids that have lost their kids um, through the journey and you just kind of wonder sometimes like why did you 
why is Titus okay and these kids couldn't? Like, these kids put up such a fight. Yeah, I don't, I don't have an answer. I don't know. <sighs> I always felt, um, through the whole journey, um, just a very sense of trust. I just felt like, uh, I heard that word a lot. Um, It's just like there were obviously times that um, I would get scared. You know, you don't know. Um, even still to today, going to clinic, I have fears of um, you know the blood work, waiting for it to come back. You know, um, but I just a lot of the the time during like the um, hard part of treatment, I just I did feel like a sense of peace, like. It's okay. It's gonna be okay. Like he's gonna get through this. He's one tough little guy. He's super strong. You know, you may not be struggling with a child with leukemia, um, but tragedy comes to us all. And in fact, I would suggest that if uh, you live a life that you feel like is just sort of in a bubble you're probably on something you shouldn't be on um, because life has its tragedy. The Bible, uh, King Solomon uh, says in the book of Proverbs that humans are born to trouble like sparks fly upward. There's just something about humanity that leads to tragedy. And, and it doesn't, doesn't take long to look very far to see that happening. In fact, the story that uh, brings us here today, the story of Jesus on the cross, is a story of, of tragedy. Uh, it's a, a story, a, a very grotesque story. A friend of mine was in, um, serving in another country trying to help people follow Jesus. And uh, a young man said to him, he says, you know, why do you, uh, people who, who follow Jesus, wear uh, a symbol of, of human destruction on your body? And he was referring to a cross. He was referring to uh, Roman crucifixion, which was a, basically equivalent to a lot of the things that we do to humans when we bring them to the end of their life because of our penal system decides that they've done so much stuff wrong that they don't deserve to live. And so he says to him, why don't you wear an electric chair around your neck? Or why don't you wear a guillotine? around your neck because that's what for him the equivalent of the cross was and so there's this 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 moment this this kind of of understanding of Easter that's just really unique and I think it's why King Solomon when he writes in the book of Ecclesiastes he took uh, some time in his life to to really pursue all that could bring meaning to life all, all the kinds of big stories that could bring our smaller stories to life. And so if you read the book, he pursues just about everything there is. Uh, sex, power, uh, you know, the whole, whole gamut. He, he, he's gone through it. And, 
In chapter 3, he says something, uh, and it's some words that you may have heard uh, before. If you don't read the Bible on a regular basis, you probably heard it in a song, because it's a, it's a famous and enduring song, the lyrics of it. It says, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden that God has laid on human race. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of human. Now, there's a, an understanding of the narrative of the story of this week that, that really does play out in that truth that Solomon talks about. Uh, we, we know that we have this day that we call Good Friday, and why do we call it good? If you're Jesus in many ways, you wouldn't call it good because that's the day that you were brutally murdered on a cross. You, you were put on that cross and nails through your wrists and your feet and you suffered a public death from suffocation. And you were taunted while you were on that cross. It was a, 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 a bloody mess. Nothing, nothing compared to the pastel colors of the Easter bunny and the Easter eggs and the peeps and all that other crap that we eat for Easter. Nothing like that. So totally different. But yet the tragedy of Good Friday is only good because of you and I. It's good because in, in the cosmic story, God is allowing his son Jesus to die in our place. We don't, we don't have to. He, he takes upon himself the penalty of all the stuff in our lives, all the, the things that we attempt to hide, all the guilt that we feel, all the, the, the wrong that we've done. All that stuff is, is actually placed on Jesus at that moment in history. And so it's good because of us, not because of him. But the, the bookends of the genius of Jesus comes not in Good Friday but on Sunday morning. On Sunday morning when a group of women come to his tomb and discover that it's empty. And history has continued to claim that Jesus came back from the dead. All the Jews and the Romans had to do is produce the body of Jesus. The most powerful military on the face of the earth at the time and the political authorities that existed, all they had to do is find the body of Jesus, put it in public, and all of this Christianity stuff would just be a hoax. But they couldn't figure it out. And then all of a sudden, stories of Jesus appearing to other people, coming back to life, begin to filter. And 
all the powers that could be marshaled for all of that time couldn't quiet these people because they couldn't produce the body of Jesus. And history has continued to claim that he was, in fact, resurrected. He came back to life. And so tragedy becomes beauty. And we become the opportunity of, of participants in that story. Of We all have tragedy. We all experience tragedy. Life is, is just full of tragedy. It's full of small, meaningless, insignificant, and yet large, life-threatening tragedies. We all have those. And we come along and we have this opportunity to engage in turning tragedy to beauty. It was Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, who experienced it so well. In his words, he was an enemy of God and he became a friend of God. The struggle of our spiritual journey is for most of us to figure out what it looks like to be an enemy of God. Because many of us feel like we're God-fearing people. But it's not about being a God-fearing person. It's about being a Jesus-following person. It's about allowing the narrative of Jesus' both life, death, and resurrection to begin to grow close to us and infect us and give us hope in the face of certain death. Because we all will face that. Whether it's at four years old with leukemia, or whether it's 95 years old as a force of old age, we all will face that ultimate foe, and, and none of us will win. Now the question is, on that journey, on that journey from tragedy, do we find beauty? Do we, do we taste the the genius of Jesus. Does his world invade our worlds and, and change the way we look at things? The beauty of the story that we've been listening to is a, is a story of, um, of a couple who, who tasted, who tasted of that life from, from tragedy to beauty. Let's take a look at the end of Titus' story. This is my last chemo. Ending treatment in December, I really felt like, okay, we can take a deep breath. This is, you know, getting better. This is getting to the point where it's not so bad. Um, we went through hell, basically, to get to this point. Now he's, you know, extremely active, wants to play tackle football, which not yet, but uh, I mean, you would never know, you know, he had cancer, but I know, you know, our party was a big, a big, like, dot on the map. A huge relief and celebration and um, kind of the big milestone of we made it here we are like we survived not every family going through this 
um, can say it, mm -hmm. um, but we are and we're here to party. <laughs> it was something that we could close that chapter and be done like we've been through this it's done let's move forward it was it was just hard to watch him go through that people go through things and suffer through things and I have no doubt that he will you know take that even being that young and you know be able to relate to pain people going through pain so much better than, I, you know, a lot of people. So, I mean, did I want him to have to go through that? Absolutely not, but it happened, and he's going to be so much more compassionate to people. You have a huge heart. Like, you've been through a lot. You've been more through more than most kids your age will ever go through. Um, I think that you should be a doctor someday, you know, I think that you would have that compassion and he was like, nope, I'm going to be a football player. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things is, you know, we all go through dark times, we all go through struggles. Uh, yes, my kid was diagnosed with cancer, but, you know, your kid may have something else or, you know, you personally are going through something. Um, it's okay to share it with people. You can't do it by yourself. Um, it's okay to reach out for help. It's okay to have those days that you're driving down the highway and your steering wheel screaming um, because you're mad. It's in times like that that once you make it through and you look back realizing how much community and um, a foundation of your faith and community of friends that you had around you at that time helps you get through it. A lot of those times I would rant and stuff, I, I have the, had this feeling of, you know, uh, him being there. And almost feeling those emotions with me, like, sucks but I'm here with you and you're not doing this alone the passage uh, where they're in the boat and Jesus is in the boat and it's storming and they wake him up and you know they're like hey it's not good it's storming <laughs> and he's like you know really I'm, I'm here like it's this is gonna be fine It took me a while, but I think one of those is, you know, uh, he's with you. Even though it's bad, and you're, you know, in the storm, uh, he's with you, and he's not gonna get out of the boat. You, you can't do this by yourself. You really have to rely on God and know that he's the one in control. There's nothing you can do. Now, I mean, there's so many people that we've met, and there's so many people that Titus has impacted in a positive way. That you know, I think that's the we're coming out of it with a lot more deep 
deeper relationships with people. Your family has touched so many lives that you guys have no idea. The impact that you guys have, that Titus has had, the faith, your faith that shows through, that people can see through you guys, and you're, you're just living your everyday life. Celebrating that we, he did it, he went through it, it sucked, but you know, we can take what, what happened and turn it into something good or positive or helpful for somebody else.